Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monster Hour. I am Quinn, your keeper of monster and mysteries. With me today are Tio. Hi, I'm Tio, and I play Constance the Expert. Hannah. Hi, I'm Hannah, and I play JR the Crooked. And Kyle. Hi, I'm Kyle. I play Alvin the Monstrous. Last time, the three of you enjoyed a brief respite at the studio after vanquishing the Vercolacus and freeing Georgiana from its curse. You set to work brainstorming how to escape the studio without falling prey to the memory monster, but were derailed, shortly after JR's forget-me-not scheme, by a pair of interruptions. Neighborhood dog Gladys anxiously pawing at the front door, and Kristen calling Alvin for help. Unsure how best to proceed, the three of you pulled a classic Scooby gang and split up to cover more ground. Yeah. Constance did some research at the Visitors Bureau and History Museum learning how Firmament got its name, and that the town's weirdness had rapidly accelerated after the Silverton Mine was condemned by the Department of Energy and its contents transferred to the Colorado National Laboratory. J.R. tried to run an experiment with a fractured piece of seal, which quickly broke bad when it briefly captured Pax in its thrall. After a short scuffle dislodged the shard, they warned J.R. that the disc wanted to be used. Wanted to be free. And Alvin returned with Sarah to Kristen's loft, where the erstwhile trendy tech wizard was grappling with how to handle a malfunctioning Imagine Labs VR headset, seemingly playing the same discordant tones as the unfathomable entity. After a brief but heartwarming heart-to-heart, you convinced her to return with you to the studio, with the device in tow. And nothing else bad happened. No, a big bad, very bad thing happened. Nothing bad happened. No, there was a car accident. Nope. Yep, it's Galvan fine. and somebody else was All in a car fine. accident. <laughs> they crashed into a tree. Who? Yeah, what? I don't know. Some cop car. Uh, I think it makes the most sense for us to open back at the studio, unless Constance or JR, you had some, some urgent business you wanted to attend to before getting back. Nope. No. Then I think the three of you arrive. Well, JR, you were there, so... Constance and Alvin, I think you arrive at similar times with Georgiana, Sarah, and Kristen in tow. The studio is largely as you left it. Uh, Mr. Blue is going through, Constance, some of your paintings. Eve is on the phone. Uh, Leon and Cecilia are next to his murder board in the kitchen. <laughs> and Jenny and Bree are, are on their phones, seemingly going through social media, looking for any sort of strange occurrences in the area. What do you do? I think Alvin co- comes in and, and tells Chris, like, Okay, wait here a minute. And I get a glass from the kitchen and, and a little fork and go ding, 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 ding. <laughs> oh my god! Everyone looks up. <clears throat> Everyone, I'd like to, I guess, reintroduce you to someone who you've forgotten. Uh, this is Kristen. Kristen, welcome back to the Daylight Society. Uh, Kristen, hi. thank hi, God. Hi. We need someone you? as smart as you for the love of God. Kristen, this is Constance. Constance uh, also, like me, remembers you. And so does oh. JR. Hi, Kristen. Uh, hi. Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, make yourself at home. Can't be forgotten again if you're in here. That's why it is so crowded. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're on a very strict shower schedule. So you might want to put your name down now for later. Yeah. I think I will do that. Mm-hmm. And Kristen goes to Constance. Tell me, tell me about this <laughs> this shower sign up sheet that you've got going. Well, it is laminated because the first few just disgusting, just pizza and grease, and somehow lavender oil got on it. So this is a laminated 
uh, sheet. Look, look, <laughs> lavender oil is relaxing and we don't have a tub anymore. I would normally take a relaxing tub bath. I can't. So the next best thing is lavender oil and lots of it. And if it gets on your precious sign-up sheet, you're welcome because the next person signing up is going to be a little bit more relaxed. Kristen just slowly backing away from the sign-up sheet. <laughs> I I very gently hand it to her along with a little binder that has some quick and dirty tips for like how to manage in this situation, i.e. don't sit on the couch before or after fighting any various monsters. Please do take off your shoes. Do not touch the books. They are in order. Ask before you pull them from the shelf. And of course, the most important one, which is you restock the tea when it runs out. <laughs> it's really not that difficult. I Things are the going fine. Important rule was the <laughs> bath bombs. Has the bath bomb rule been supplanted? The rules are customary to the people I'm talking to. Gotcha. Okay. Kristen backs further away, back up to where Sarah is, and kind of like hides behind her a little bit. <laughs> we all could use a vacation, but we're very glad that you're here. Uh, you only okay. get annoyed at your family. Okay. If you say so. Yep. <laughs> After sort of the initial surprise and introductions, I think everyone mostly goes back to what they were doing. What would you like to do? Oh, right. I have a doomsday device and a duvet. Um, I take- <laughs> <laughs> a doomsday device and a duvet, you say. Oh, another one of those days. You know what they say about the doomsday and the duvet. <laughs> take That's that actually- doomsday out of the duvet. <laughs> you better take all day. All day with that doomsday Making sure everything duvet. is A-okay for the doomsday and the duvet. <laughs> Is this a vocal exercise warm-up? Doomsday in the duvet, doomsday yes. in the duvet. <laughs> Doug Duvall took the doomsday out of the duvet. <laughs> we have fun here. Oh, well, I do. I take the doomsday out of the duvet. <laughs> I put it in the workshop area. Okay. And start trying to find... I know I did a quick look in the apartment to see if, if there are any screws or panels or anything that could kind of be pried off to try to get access internally to this without just putting it on my head, which is still very scary. Um, but now that I'm in the workshop, I think I get a little like flat at screwdriver and start trying to like pry open seams. Sure. I don't think there's any reason to think that you couldn't do that. You grab a flathead screwdriver and you're able to find some pretty well-concealed divots and screws and, and panels and you're able to pop most of the external casing off. Mm -hmm. Underneath it looks like a electronic device. Just regular electronics. Um, I think I'll call over JR and Mr. Blue, the two most magic-y folk. JR, Mr. Blue. Mm-hmm. Yes. You mind uh, giving me a hand with this? Okay. Well, I walk over. What is it? It's a VR machine. It's some sort of virtual reality device from Imagine Labs. Kristen had it in her apartment, had no idea where it came from, and it was making some noise. Do any of you remember that big, like, blah, kind of noise? It was making that sound quieter, so that's suspicious. I'm curious, because I can't see anything that isn't just regular-looking old electronics. I'm wondering if uh, either one of you would like to take a look and see if there's something magical going on about this. Do we want to let our, our friend Mr. Blue take a crack at this? I have never seen anything like this before in my life. It doesn't, at first glance, appear that there's anything magical about it. As best as I can tell, JR. 
Quinn is it given me any kind of magical energy? Mm, there's not really. There is a move for this, but it's specific to the Spellslinger playbook. So, okay. JR, I don't think you have sort of the attunement to do this necessarily. I would like to cast Detect Magic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't know how to cast Detect Magic. Um, <laughs> you know what the key feels like, and you know what the fragment of disc feels like. Mm -hmm. This doesn't feel like that, but your knowledge of what the universe of magical energy could be or how you might perceive it is sort of inherently limited. Okay. It, so it, uh, could be. it looks like a thing that could be <laughs> magical. I don't know. Maybe. I guess I call Constance over. Uh, Constance. Yup, yup. Remember that bois we were talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, the bois. Yeah, the bois. This thing was making kind of little bois. <laughs> you don't have any books on circuitry? I did at one point try to uh, get into the free cycle art movement and then I go to my coffee table and then at the bottom is a really boring looking textbook that's just like microchips and electronic circuitry C++ volume 2.4 <laughs> and I just hand that and shrug hmm I mean I don't know how much I'm going to get from this. I've got a crazy idea. Oh? Put it put it on and see what we see. Oh, I see what you're getting at. And I sheepishly put all my magazines back in and hope nobody <laughs> noticed. <laughs> so the three of you are gathered around this device. And I think around you, pretty much everyone has, has stopped what they're doing around the studio and, and are gathered around you just to marvel at this strange contraption. And as everyone is gathered around, it makes the tone once more. That's the one. Anybody now you hear, all know Constance, it. Constance, you heard that, right? JR, did you hear that? Yes, I heard the bois. That was like a little bois. Imagine that, but like a thousand it's times. It's very more. irritating. All right, well. Everyone, my, na my name's Alvin. Someone write that down. Alvin is putting on the thing. Okay, I'm going to take a look through this thing. Someone take notes. I have written your name down. I've also sketched you roughly and wow. also just put a little emoji of just a wolf. That's very oh, nice. Oh, very nice. Mm -hmm. um, Who is so thoughtful, Constance? It's so I fast mean, at sketching. It's I'm just amazing. showing off my art skills because Kristen doesn't know yet that I'm an art failure, so... <laughs> She leans oh. over. Oh, that's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there's a lot more where that came from. We'll, we'll talk later. Stand yeah, it kind of seems like there's a whole thing happening right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's Everyone. always a whole thing happening yeah, right now. Yeah, you kind of have to live your life in between the moments of weirdness, you know? I'm getting that. Everybody take a step back. Everyone I steps back. I don't know back. what this will do. <laughs> they learn their lesson. Brace yourselves. Yeah, sev several steps back. <laughs> I raise it up. Over my head as far as it'll go, and then I slowly bring it down over my eyes. Okay. Like a coronation, Alvin puts the device onto <laughs> his head, straps the visor section over his eyes, and Alvin, you are overwhelmed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a VR headset, and you immediately see uh, a scene that's being broadcast through this device. What you see is a top-down view. Top-down view. Of 
Okay, we can't do this. We can't oh, do this okay. word for word. <laughs> Assume that we're all getting a play by play. Okay, okay. This is being repeated by Alvin play by right. play. Yeah. Loudly. What you see is a top down view of a forested road, and there is a police car crashed into the barrier on the side. It looks like it swerved hard right. There's no sign of any other vehicle. And you're looking down on this scene from probably 20 or 30 feet in the air. And I'm about 20 to 30 feet straight up. <laughs> I'm looking around. Uh, is there any UI at all? Or is it just like I'm just a seeing eye hovering above this scene? It's completely point of view as far as you can tell. There doesn't appear to be any user interface that you can see. There's no UI. It's a really weird game. If it's a game at all, but that is what I am seeing. Does that ring a bell for anybody in the real world? Anybody out there? And my arms are kind of probing around me. Anybody out here? <laughs> are you still there? I mean, that's what. Oh. I mean, that's what it looked like when I put it on. It wasn't the same scene. It was different places in Firmament, I think. Kristen, oh, thank God bit, you're there. Yeah, Alvin, we're all still here. Oh, good. I don't think Alvin understands VR. This might have been a thing we should have explained before he put the headset on. Interesting. So she saw a scene in a similar fashion, but a different scene. Yeah, I only put it on twice. Once it was really high up, like looking down at a city. I thought it was Farmum and I wasn't sure. And then another time it was moving really quickly down a street. I thought it was like a, a racing game maybe, but I'm not sure now. Going down the, down the street, street, did you see anything when it was going down the street? Wait, Kristen, I mean, that's rather familiar. And I'm taking the thing Alvin, off. That's right. Oh, oh. Alvin, I'm <clears> right here. Sorry. <laughs> I was oh. I was so high. I was so high up. I didn't know. Sweet boy. Sweet boy, Alvin. Yeah, I mean, it was lots of cars. There were people on the sidewalk. It was hard to see. We were, I was going really fast. Were you chasing anything? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't me. It was just the program. Sure, but your, your perspective. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Because I was being chased by a bois. I like how we've renamed the creature. Is it's called mm -hmm. a bois now. It's, it's no bois. longer the memory monster. It's the bois. <laughs> uh, anyone else want to give this a try? It's pretty cool. I'll give it a whirl. Constance, you put on the headset and it shows the same scene. Hmm. Okay. But as you are watching it, it starts to move. The point of view that you're seeing through this device moves quickly out of Olympic Heights and across the Elkhorn River. And, and you actually, I think, uh, you're sailing and you realize you're on a collision course with the Skyway Gondola. Mm. You're going right towards it. And, and the people in it don't see you. And they don't seem to notice as you're hurtling towards it. And it reaches the collision point, And you just move right through it. Hmm. Ooh. And then you're flying further over Old Town. And then you're sailing through the tall glass panel buildings of downtown. And then you come to a stop to a lofty view over Firmament in general, much like the one that Kristen described. I relay all this to everyone in very feathery language. I'm wondering if we could triangulate the direction you saw yourself fly to see if we can locate that tree that we saw. I'm suspicious now because I was being chased by a thing that was yelling, mm -hmm. blying at me down roads, mm -hmm. which was a thing that happened. 
in the real world. So I'm I'm curious if we can triangulate where that car and tree were. Yeah. Uh, how about I grab a piece of paper and I start sketching the scenes real quick? Do I recognize any of the streets or any anything? Your really? family homes. Oh, yeah. There, I mean, they? you recognized almost everything. It came from Olympic Heights. I know where this is and I know how to get there. How do we leave this place and not forget that? Quickly. And in pairs. Remember, buddy system. Well, if you'll recall my forget-me-not system of perhaps giant strings. That may not get us to Olympic Heights. Yeah, that's pretty far. Uh, We gotta go across town. But I think buddy system is a good idea. Okay. Yeah, why why don't we just go and that way we know everyone here is safe. It is probably evening time now. Mm-hmm. Just tracking. You had your fight with the Furcalacus in the morning. It's been a long day, yeah. Spent the afternoon uh, <laughs> doing some research and investigation, and so it's probably nighttime now. Not like late, probably like eight o'clock, but- Yeah, I want to check out this car though before- Before we lose before it. Nighttime. Yeah, before if we lose clues. Time. Totally, that's fine. Check out okay. the clues. Let's go do that. Okay, just the three of you. Maybe you take Sarah and then she can drive. I like that plan. I mean, JR has a car. I just figure maybe if we take a fourth, then we can split and still have buddies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's try Black Beauty, and then we want to bring Sarah along? Yeah, let's bring Sarah. I feel like Sarah is engaged like Alvin is. Yeah. What are you doing with the headset? Mm. Oh. Ooh. Well, that is a good question. Oh, boy. I think Alvin might take it. I mean, we were in the magic of the Sanctum, but I think... So far, it seems to be giving us a kind of like crystal ball into what's going on. Yeah. Constance, would you have something in your armory that might be like a protective thing to put something in? I don't know. Do you have a magic Tupperware container? Uh, I think what I look for, (laughs) uh, it looks like a nice chest, you know, like the kind that you would get at like a crate and barrel or a pottery barn, but with like very distinct wood carving on the front and like a very complicated lock mechanism. And I would say that it was part of what my boonie left me. And up until now, I have used it to store blankets secretly held away that cannot be used by others, (laughs) that they're constants only blankets. My special collection of very fancy blankets and robes. So you're using your armory? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Why don't you give me a roll plus weird? That is a seven. On a seven to nine, you have it, but only the minimum. Constance, I think you've had this box for a long time, and I think it actually came with the blankets in it. And there's a note inside that says, there's magic in the cloth. (gasps) The, The minimum here is that the protective magic is in the blankets, not the chest. Oh, dope. A magic duvet. But also not super secure. Sure. It's right. hard to like wrap this thing up in a way that like if you drop it, it's gonna like roll out basically. Right. That's cool though. I like it. Yeah. You could wear the blanket. Ooh, man, I want that in my regular life. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's a it's a I want to be super clear. This is not like a an armored blanket sure. or anything. Okay. It just dampens magical influence. Yeah. Okay. It's a better duvet. <laughs> it's a better duvet. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh you have that and you wrap up the headset. Great. Amazing. Onward? Let's go. Yep. Clues await. Hey folks, Quinn here. 
Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 46 of Monster Hour, where the real monster is trying to figure out which duvet is the best fit for your doomsday. Just don't take all day. As always, I want to thank everyone who's been helping spread the word about the show by leaving us a rating and review, giving us a shout on social media, and recommending the show to a friend. Don't forget that if you tweet about the show using hashtag MonsterHourPod, you might wind up with a character named after you, assuming the hunters can stop people from disappearing, of course. And speaking of Twitter, we are doing a little giveaway to celebrate our latest follower milestone. So if you are interested in winning a custom, absolutely stunning Monster Hour-themed dice set from Dragon Knight Dice, or a hand-carved Monster Hour coaster from Nat20 Leather, be sure to drop a like, retweet, and follow by March 19th to get yourself entered. I want to give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporters, Katie and E. Lee. A big thank you to Katie, E., and all of our patrons for supporting the show and helping us bring you awesome bonus content. We just released a new Patreon-exclusive episode over the weekend, where some very stellar guests and I delve deep into the mysterious realm of Otherware, using the world-building and storytelling game Kingdom. If you enjoyed Arc 5 and want to hear more wild adventures through far-flung theaters, now's the perfect time to join Katie and E in supporting us on Patreon. Our spooky spotlight this week is The Players Guild, a fun and fantastical romp of an actual play podcast. This is just so exciting, Andrique. We're here to tell you about our adventures with The Players Guild. Isn't that right, Westra? That's right. We've seen a lot of stuff so far. Yes! I'm your number one fan. Because of all our crazy antics. Yes, like that time Kronzold had a complete freakout. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that was a fucking cow, mother! Cow! A cow! Yeah, that was a great one. What about when Sessimus lost his pants? Not only did you not hit it, but your pants <laughs> fell down. <laughs> 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 Or how about when I killed Patchy, the animatronic owlbear? That's actually Krontold's kill, but you definitely did your best. Same thing, produce another flame, chuck it at the monster. It explodes on this thing. You can check out all our fun adventures on the Players Guild, which can be found anywhere you get your podcasts, or by going to our website, playersguildpod.com. That's all I've got for you this week, folks. Monster Hour will return with episode 47 on March 30th. See you then. So you head over to the gondola and you take the gondola up to Olympic Heights. It's a little bit of a hike out to this road, but eventually you make it there. And when you arrive, you see this crashed police vehicle. What do you do? Get out and help? That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> you approach the vehicle and you see two unconscious figures inside. A youngish woman, uh, Jair, probably about your age, with raven black hair pulled into a high ponytail, and a middle-aged man, uh, a little overweight with thinning hair. And you don't recognize either of them. Uh... Although one of them is probably a police officer based on her outfit. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a police car. Okay, is there anything like over the, like anything, can we hear anything over the radio maybe? Nope. Okay. Are they okay? Yeah, what's the, like, what's their condition? Both of them are, are definitely injured. There's definitely a decent amount of blood. As you approach, the officer looks kind of groggily at you. So she's conscious, but she's not totally with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person in the passenger seat looks... Completely unconscious. Mm. Quinn, I would like to find out a bit more about what happened, perhaps. Give me a roll to investigate a mystery. 
It's a seven. On a seven and nine, hold one. Okay. What is being concealed here? Nothing. Hmm. Hmm. There was definitely a car crash. It's not clear what caused it. It honestly looks like this car just swerved out of the road. Mm-hmm. So maybe what's being concealed is what caused the accident, but you, you can't tell. You walk all over the, the scene and there's no evidence for what resulted in this incident. Car accident. Yeah. I want to start looking up because it looked like we were flying. Right. So I'd like to look up and look around and see if any if it feels, you know, that feeling you get when something's watching you or someone's watching you. I'm trying to see if I'm getting any bad vibes. Give me a roll to read a bad situation. Oh, Bagumba, that's a nine. That's not bad. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the middleest role. <laughs> yeah. I have advanced on that. That's why I was so oh, not excited because yeah. I wanted a 12. Yeah. Really thrown off the scale here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, on a seven to nine, hold one. I mean, I think we know the best way to protect the victims is to get them back to the studio and get them medical help. To help, I think Sarah's probably calling 911. Yeah, or that. So yeah, I was going to ask if anyone yeah. has called 911, but I didn't want to interrupt. I was going to have Sarah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, uh, what's the biggest threat to us right now? The biggest threat is that whatever happened here appears to have moved on. You're staring up at the sky and you know what this thing feels like. You know mm-hmm. what its presence feels like. And it's not here. Which means it's somewhere else. Alvin, as you move to put on the headset, a series of discordant tones blare out from it. Uh-oh. What doing, do I see? Doing it again. Are you putting it on? Yeah. I mean, as far as Alvin knows, this thing shows you where the weird entity is. Yeah. You put on the headset, and you are hurtling down from the sky over firmament into the commercial district, sailing by these tall buildings with full glass pane walls, and you're weaving in and out between them, and you actually just cross through several of them, as though their mass, their presence, makes no difference whatsoever. And finally, you stop in front of a window, and just at the periphery of your vision, you can see the words in a stylish, stylized, neon light font. The Raven Loft. And inside you see an elderly man sitting at a desk inside of a lobby filled with plants and greenery. Oh no. It's the hotel Pax that was Pax at. Isn't... I think I'm relaying this as it is happening. And I start relaying where this thing is going. Me, Alvin, doesn't know what Raven Loft is, but I do describe it where this entity is headed. Yeah, that's where Pax was staying. The Raven Loft. That's the front desk guy. Do you know the number to Ravenloft? Can we look that up? Call him, tell him to run. He has to leave now. Yeah. Do we have, uh, I mean, I, I can probably, yeah, sure, I, I can. As you're having this conversation, Alvin, the scene unfolds further. Shit. The three of you hear the tones come again from the headset, and Abner at the front desk looks up. Damn mm-hmm. it. And his eyes go <gasps> wide. And he runs away towards the elevator bay and is frantically pressing the buttons. And your perspective moves in, just pushing through the glass like it's nothing. Mm. And the elevator door is finally open and he hurls himself inside and presses the close button as quickly as possible. 
Okay, sounds like he knows to run. I don't know that I need to call him. Is that near? This is the commercial district, isn't that Constance's apartment is there? Uh, it's. I mean, it's closer than you are, for sure. Right. But I don't know if we want to send a, a buddy team out. Oh, yeah, because someone needs to pick him up. He's not going to know who he is. He's not going to know what's going on. If the buddy system truly works, getting someone there to him could help. Call him up. I'm calling the studio right now. Yeah. As you're ringing, Alvin, you see yourself, you see your perspective move into the elevator shaft and begin following it up, and the tones come again. Constance, who are you calling? The landline we set up at the studio. I think it rings once and Georgiana picks up. Constance Radescu's residence. Georgiana Radescu speaking. <laughs> That's great. Great phone etiquette. Uh, it's me. It's Constance. Hey, it's so nice to hear oh, hello, you up dear. and Adam. Look, we got a situation. We have quite a few people who've been whammied out here. We need a essentially a rescue party of two to come and get this guy. You got to go in a buddy system and you need to write all your info on your arm before you leave the house. I'm on it. All right. Who are you taking with you? Mr. Blue. Mm-hmm. Great. I like it. Also, not sure if the thing can whammy fast Mr. As Blue. Can. Yeah, as fast as you can. Thank you. Bye. She hangs up. Alvin, uh. you break away from the elevator shaft and you're moving through people's rooms and you're moving sort of up at a diagonal. It's, it's a very disorienting uh, perspective. Through floors and walls and everything. And eventually you reach the penthouse suite, which is currently unoccupied. And you're staring at the elevator door. And the tones come one more time. And the elevator doors open. And a catatonic Abner in his fine suit is sitting slumped in the elevator. Ha! Damn it. Right. We're too late, gang. Quinn, you're being a real real crumb bum right now. (laughs) Crumb bum. Just a real real crumb bum. A real meanie. A real jerk face. I would like to pull a sharp before any more people are whammied, because we all know crumbums hit in threes. Um, <laughs> I guess that's technically three. We do already have three, huh? Yeah. I'd like to pull a sharpie out of my fanny pack, and I am writing my address on both of these people that I clearly don't recognize in the car. I am writing. You know, it's weird. They actually already have your address written on their arm. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, dip. I, I, I. It's I... super weird. Oh, that's really weird. Oh, no. How, how is this possible? I, I lift up my jacket and I show them that I have the same thing written on my arm. I don't think she really grasps what is happening and why this is strange. Okay. Right, she's not I think she just lucid. is asking you intermittently to call 911. Okay. I tell, yeah, we did that. Yeah. I look at her, and I know that this might not register with her right now, but we've called 911. Help is coming. But you're with us. So when you get checked out and you're okay, you come to the address written on your hand. And I point at my hand, and I point at her hand, and I'm trying to like reinforce visually, like, look at your arm later. You are in shock. Look at your arm. <laughs> When you're she not in shock. She looks down at her arm and looks at you and then slumps into unconsciousness. Oh, boy. Quinn, do I remember this person that I was just watching? Ooh, good question. Oh, this is interesting. I haven't considered this moment. Um, <laughs> Alvin, you're watching 
your perspective through this device move closer in, and you, you almost feel like you're standing over this person. And as you're looking at them, you had a name. They just had a name. You knew it, but you can't place it. And you're sure they were wearing, like, a different suit? Maybe they had a bow tie? Do they have a bow tie now? You can't tell anymore. You're looking at their neck, but you can't tell what they're wearing. And you're looking at their face, and it's almost like that moment when you think you recognize someone and it turns out it's someone else. And then for a moment, you're looking at their face, but it doesn't even look like a face. It's like you have sudden face blindness and you can't tell what this person looks like at all. You recognize it's a person, but you're just staring and you don't recognize them. And then all you see is a stranger. Computer end program. You're looming over this person. Computer end program. Nothing. I think I say to the, the crowd, I was like, okay, I'm just looming over this stranger now. I mean, that's, that's kind of weird. It all feels weird. It doesn't quite square with my perception of reality, but I'm having a lot of cognitive dissonance today. I'm going to keep this thing on. I'll let you know if it starts to move again. Okay. And I'll watch for Georgiana and Mr. Blue if they get there while I, this thing is here. I was about to ask, do we remember that we sent them out to get this person? You remember asking Georgiana and Mr. Blue to run an errand, like a, an important one. They needed God to go get something. Damn it. But you don't remember what you asked them to do. Fuck. Hmm. They needed to go f- get someone, find someone important. There was an important contact. But you don't remember for the life of you what you asked them to do. Quinn, I hate you right now. <laughs> well, Alvin is, is trying to, Alvin is trying to focus on simple thoughts. Okay. Which so is yes. good. That's easy. That's not hard. Alvin, you're in the weirdest spot because you recognize what you just saw, but you don't understand what is happening to you. Yeah, though he has a slight advantage in that that is his that's been his state of mind for a year now. <laughs> his modus operandi is his, I don't understand. I know what I just saw, but I don't understand any of it. Alvin, through the headset, you're just staring down at this old man. And the tones come one last time. What do the three of you do? I think Alvin relies on simple thoughts. Keep the headset on. Keep watching this thing. Relay what you see. This all got really weird really fast. Yeah. Y'all, our system is trash. It's not working. <laughs> if there are two people here with my address written on them, Look, something fucked up. Something went wrong. Something (laughs) went wrong. We we have not tried. Forget me not. Like, I think that still maybe the buddy system doesn't work. There is that's the flaw of the buddy system is that, you know, if it It gets two people, right, that's that's built into the system. So I do think we should try forget me not. Um, And I also think I'm going to give Stoney a call. I don't remember the last time we talked. But I do remember telling him that we were having issues with people not remembering who they are. And also, isn't one of these people, don't they look like a police officer? It is a police cruiser, and the woman in the driver's seat is wearing a police officer's uniform, although her badge is blank, so it could be a fake. Okay. Is there a license plate? Yep, there's a license plate. All right, I'm gonna, I know that somebody has already called 911, but I'm gonna call Stoney. Okay. The phone rings two or three times, and Stony picks up. JR? Stony? What can I do for you? 
we've got a crashed police cruiser out here and a woman who looks like she's a member of the firmament police force, but her badge is blank. Have you run into any other, anybody else who doesn't know who they are? Nope. I read him the license plate number. Is that one of your cruisers? He's quiet for a few seconds and he can hear some, like, keys. Tippy-tappy. Hmm. That cruiser was reported missing, presumed stolen, three days ago. Three days ago? Yep. Well, it's not missing anymore. There's two people here that, as I said, we called 911, so medical help was on the way, but you might want to get out here and see... Yeah, somebody stole a police cruiser. I want to find out who did it for sure. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Uh, Stoney, this is also, this is going to sound real weird. I'm going to ask you to trust me and do this thing. It's going to sound weird. Trust it. Like, I'm not asking you to do anything super weird or dangerous. But you should write on the inside of your arm Constance's name and address, just in case anything funny happens. Just trust me on this. You know, I'm... Full of bullshit. But have I lied to you about anything, like, serious? Yes. No. (laughs) There's several long seconds where he thinks about it. You know, it's a little uh, little late in the evening, JR. I I don't recall the lies and omissions that have taken place, but yeah, all right. I'll, uh, all right. What's her address? And I, I relay it. Oh, like it. you don't know. Uh, he takes it down. And and per- permanent marker, permanent marker. And all right. If anything happens, hey. Stony, go to that address. All right. Well, I'll be there soon. All right. Bye, Stony. It's good chat. It's real good chat. Bye. He's already hung up. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's canon. <laughs> uh, goodbye, Jr. Click. This <laughs> is good. It was a, we had a good chat. Very good. Very good chat. Anyway, okay. I I did something. Constance, what are you doing? Okay, so first of all, I furiously write on whatever space is left on my forearm. Do not trust your memories. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. We've done full memento. Yes. Yeah, yeah we're going real all up hard. The down every arm. This is the outcome I was hoping for in this arc, so we've achieved it. Good job, me. <laughs> Excellent. God damn it. This is with magically permanent ink. I also uh, start. Um, so, so my so my left inside forearm is where I have written my address and all of that. My right inside forearm is where I have written "Do not trust your memories," and then on the <laughs> other side of my of my left hand. I write ant and alien out in the wild must find them. And then I also write VR headset is POV of big bad. Vague clues. I I, I would like the marker as well when you are done. (laughs) I have some things that I would like to write on on my arm. (laughs) Well, I write one more thing. My third thing is... Wolf man and <laughs> suspicious suit person equals trusted. And then I send off a bajillion texts. I text the entire group thread, 
buddy system is a failure. Do not go out using buddy system. And I request a confirmation from Leon that folks in the room have gotten it and a count. I want him to text me back how many people are in the room (laughs) at my place. Do I get a response? Leon texts back and says, it's me, Cecilia, Eve, Kristen, and Pax. Jenny and Bree just went out to grab food. Oh, no. Oh, fucking fuck. Sorry. That was swear. A lot of swear. <laughs> and you get a ping back from Jenny and Bree saying, oh, shit, we're on our way back right now. <laughs> okay. Good. I, um, I'm still watching, too. Yeah, you still have the headset on. Yeah, okay, Alvin. I text Georgiana and Mr. Blue. Buddy system, failure, failure. Return to base as soon as possible. Alvin, you are watching through the headset as Constance is sending out these texts, and you see your vision move, almost a bit unsteady, and you sail out through the glass window into the open night sky, and as you do, your vision turns downward. You're not as high up as you were before. You're still sort of amidst the tall buildings of the commercial center, Mm -hmm. but you're staring down through the city lights down at the street. And you see two people walking up to the entrance to the Ravenloft. They're dressed somewhat anachronistically, both of them, a man and a woman. And the woman is carrying a large golden tip spear. Constance! Constance, as you text Georgiana and Mr. Blue, you immediately get a call from Georgiana saying, Constance, my dear, I'm, I'm at the Ravenloft. I don't remember why I'm supposed to be here, but I'm here. Run! They gotta get back now! It's coming after you! Get back to the studio now! Constance, you shout this into the phone, and the three of you hear a series of discordant tones come from the headset. And Alvin, your point of view lurches groundward. 